Hello and welcome back to Coast to Coast FC, the new Canadian soccer podcast focusing on all things CPL, Canadian Championship and more. My name is Felipe Vallejo. And I'm Mike Rice. And today we're going to take a look at some of the latest transfers that have happened around the league before delving into a few previews of the upcoming games this weekend. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Coast to Coast FC and on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts so you know exactly when we upload. But let's now go straight into some of the transfers that we had. And we'll start with probably the team that's had the biggest transfers of the um, offseason or midseason so far, which has been Vancouver. Vancouver have brought in three new players. One of them being, uh, obviously, Alejandro Diaz, probably the biggest signing of the year so far. Um, came in from the Norwegian team Songdal, I believe that's how it's said. <laughs> Every time I see it, I I, I I always wish that I knew how to say it properly. Um, already has had a first game for the team, already has scored his first goal. Uh, clearly is a high-profile signing for them, something that they've been definitely needing to help their team. Uh, as well, they have also signed Renan Garcia, a veteran Brazilian center midfielder. He was the one who assisted uh, uh, Alejandro Diaz in his opening goal in that game. The two new signings look to already be hitting the ground running for them. Alongside, of course, a player that we've already seen for a few weeks now, which is Mickey Cantav, who came in from Calvary in a swap deal for Mile Henry. Mile Henry. Uh, a young player who I th- was doing pretty well for Vancouver, and I think uh, some people were a little sad to see him go, um, was traded to Cavalry. And two other outgoings for Vancouver were Emmanuel Rowe, who had his uh, contract mutually terminated, alongside, of course, another huge deal, which was Gael Sandoval, the, uh, a bit of a flop, you could say, in the league, given his high-profile signing. His contract was also mutually terminated. And Mike... What have you thought so far as Vancouver's transfer window? Yeah, they definitely wanted to kick off, didn't they, with young players and try and build a young team. Um, and I think they've identified those players that have sort of thrown into a bit of a sink or swim environment at times. Um, they've identified the ones that they want to continue with and they've identified areas that needed a little bit more experience and a little bit of support. I think Alejandro Diaz probably wasn't, um the first person you would have picked to come through the door um i don't think center forward was their highest priority but when you've got that option um available to you you're going to take it i think it does upgrade um obviously the key areas were uh where ren and garcia has come in is that player alongside uh simmons in the midfield there with the looks good quality on the ball um able to distribute well and seems to have a decent shot on him from that first game um, on his debut and Kantav taking some of the pressure off Vitar there as a creator and an instant impact from what Gael Sandoval wasn't able to do. Yeah. And I think that uh, these two signings or three signings really, because Mickey Kantav as well, you can't forget the instant impact he had as soon as he came in. Uh already elevate this team higher than I think what we thought was possible with the players that they had beforehand, given their experience and their quality. 
But with every team, we are also not only going to go over some of the transfers. Some teams haven't done some transfers. So we want to still talk about them and potentially put one transfer that every team needs or potentially would look towards in this midseason window. Of course, it's very hard to pinpoint a player given how this league is. a very young league. You're not going to expect high-profile transfers where you can look at a player uh, and and scout them, unless you are a scout. But at that point, we'd be working for the clubs and not doing this podcast. <laughs> um, but So we're going to look for player profiles, maybe a position and describe that a certain position that they that a team requires a certain role maybe it's a certain you know factor about the uh, this player that this team needs etc cetera, etc cetera. we'll talk a little about uh, about that as well so you can get a little bit of insight on what potentially your team might need so for Vancouver i think both of us are in agreement the last missing piece i think that they need right now is an experienced center back I think personally, I obviously like Rocco Romeo. I think he's a very good center back. He has saved them multiple times this season, whether it be a last ditch tackle, a goal line clearance, like we saw last game or the like. But I feel like, you know, he needs another center back partner there who is experienced. I like Anthony White. I think he's done pretty well since coming in, but he's still a very young center back that needs time to adjust. If you could bring an experienced center back in there that can help lead that defense when Callum Irving, you know, he can't be there and 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 organizing his defense the entire time. Have a center back there, not only to organize the defense, but to kind of step in when things get shaky. Because we've seen that a couple of times. We've talked about with Vancouver that, you know, after they score a goal, it seems that they're dis- disjointed. Or when the going gets tough, they start to get disorganized, they start to get frantic. And that's where we see a lot of the goals leak in. I think if you bring in an, an experienced center back into that defensive line, then you will have a much more stable uh, uh, defense for Vancouver than we have seen previously. And Ashton Guppy is a good defensive coach. We've seen that before. When they do defend well, they defend very organized. It's when things start to get a bit chaotic that I feel like that's where they need experience head. And up until... Doniel Henry signed for Halifax. That was actually a name that I was throwing around mm-hmm. for a while uh, that Vancouver could look to sign ever since he left Minnesota. I thought he would be a fantastic signing for Vancouver. Evidently, he went to Halifax. And we'll talk about uh, the, the the impact that that has for Halifax later. But Mike, what what do you think an experienced center back might bring to this Vancouver side? Or do you think there's another position that they could possibly be go for to improve their side even more? Yeah, I'm yeah, definitely with you on the centre back. I think Martinez hasn't been the leader maybe they would have hoped he would have been, uh, as the more senior of central defenders. Rocco Romeo has been very good, like you say. Anthony White's just yeah, recently drafted. He's been putting in some really good performances, been moved into centre mid at times. Yeah, he's definitely a player still learning. Um and I think they've noted they 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 went with a very sort of um experimental uh, start to the year with these young players. And they're now just trying to fill in these spots with players who can help the development. And Rocco Romeo playing alongside maybe a more experienced player will quickly um, quickly make him an even more um, stronger leader, I think, in that team, where he's maybe got a little less pressure taken off of him at the back there. Um, Anthony White would get someone to um, develop uh, alongside 
Another area I guess we could talk about would be sort of the fullback position. I think they're quite keen on Tyler Crawford, um, who's been playing quite well. Um, and Minjai Quack seems to be a good Swiss Army knife, a little bit like um uh a little bit like Ibrahim Bacardo, who can fill in at right back. Um James Cameron, another young player who's starting, who's shows good parts, but obviously shows areas where he's still developing that. Partly, I would think a right back might be a good way forward, but that sort of depends on what's going to happen with Caden Chung next season when he comes back. Yeah. Is, is Renan Garcia a long term going into 2024? Probably not. So, does that mean Caden Chung's coming back into the midfield and maybe right back's an area they want to look at as well? Yeah, I agree with you. I think maybe looking towards a wing back. I think Quak, I've always thought Quak is a better attacking minded yeah. player than a defensive minded player. So I think it would be best for his development and for the team, potentially maybe bringing in a backup or somebody to compete with Tyler Crawford at that left back position to allow Kwok then to push further up and and compete with Kantav and and Tahid and uh, these more attacking players where I think he's better suited. And you're right, I think at the right back position, Caden Chung obviously is a locked in starter if he's fit, but we've also seen that he was placed in that midfield position and mm-hmm. did pretty well for them. And going forward, obviously he was uh, often admitted that that was a stopgap because they didn't have that six that they wanted to. They were going to sign someone who didn't go through before the season started, so they couldn't do it. Question is, is are they going to allow him to play at his natural right back position, or are they going to put him back into that center midfield? Because you know a direct quote from Guppy was his talent demands him being in that midfield. His yeah. quality demands being in the midfield. That's how much he rates his intelligence, his quality on the ball, the way that he reads the game. So maybe looking at a proper right back, I think, again, Bakare is a better center back than a right back. So mm-hmm. having a, a player of of that quality at right back, maybe allowing Caden Chung to go into the midfield might be something to look at as well. Uh, but now let's move on to the next scene. Uh, which is Cavalry. Cavalry having a little busy themselves. Obviously, as aforementioned, they traded uh, Mikhail Kantav for Mael Henry for, for with Vancouver. Mael Henry comes in as a, a pretty good young product. Mm-hmm. I saw him in preseason. I was actually quite impressed with him in preseason for Vancouver, so I was a little surprised that they let him go. Uh, obviously, maybe he wanted more minutes. He wanted more time. He wasn't getting too much time um with Vancouver with the way that they were playing Cavalry also brought in William Accio back to the CPL from Ross County in Scotland uh for those who don't know uh his brother is actually former Cavalry midfielder and current Canadian international Victor Loturi both of them grew up in Calvary they're both hometown boys in that sense um Accio previously played for Valor, where he scored 10 goals and 5 assists and 44 appearances in all competitions for the Winnipeg side. And did relatively well. That's what earned him this move to Scotland. Now he's come back with Cavalry back at home and looking to make an impact. Uh, and looking to replace a player that we didn't really know for a little while if he was going to stay, if he was going to go. <laughs> yeah. And that's 
Escalante, there's a little bit of drama there about he was taking a personal leave of absence, but then he started to, he, he, uh, he signed for Motagua and Motagua like made a whole post about <laughs> it, saw the contract signing, and then Cavalry had to make like a post about it, being like, Are you still our player? And there was <laughs> obviously some tension and confusion. It finally has gotten resolved. He's on a one year loan mm-hmm. at Motagua, but then Cavalry were very, um, but, you know, clear that he was going to come back, he was still their player. Um, so that was, you know, a little bit of a fun little transfer saga we got there <laughs> that was resolved. But Mike, what have you thought of Cavalry's midseason window so far? Yeah, I think it's quite exciting. The um, especially the Akia signing, Maya Emery, I think, is great. He'll learn to develop along and continue his progression there, uh, which is great. They've they've got two really exciting wingers in um, Ali Musi and uh, Gode Indigne, but we saw. Uh, the other week, how when those two aren't in the squad, uh, aren't in the starting lineup, how different their attack is. Uh, yeah. Akio is going to bring in so much um, more pace, it's like directness. And he was very much famous for that miss <laughs> clearing off the line when he was back at Valor. But he's um, he's definitely shown his qualities, though, are what's what earned him that move to um, Scotland. It hasn't worked out sadly for him. Um, we change obviously alone in there as well. Um, so he's he's come back to get started again, like and kick on once again. And I think Cavalry have really got someone who's going to keep going with that blind, like really good pace. He's a physical player who's going to get forward. He's someone with an eye for goal, um, and that's just going to upgrade them. They've they they've got these players now that they can rotate a bit more um they've got players who bring slightly different um qualities into the game um and it just means that they can continue to f- continue to fight going into that fight like second half of the season i think it really does make them like really really dangerous on great form as we know and i it also does help maya bevan i think there's that possibilities now obviously joe mason's back but him akia could probably fill in those roles as well may like to come from wide can come in like play off of the striker as well so their attacks just definitely got a lot more exciting i think yeah i think akio brings in like i've always seen him as somebody who brings in power and explosiveness in the way that he plays and the way they's super direct um he like you said he does have an eye for goal Sometimes it can get a little bit mixed up, but usually he's pretty good for that. Um, and I think, yeah, he just adds more quality. And I think Calvary sees that what Pacific has and what Forge have had so much is quality and depth that they can rotate players. And usually, you know, if you take Forge's weird half season so far aside, um, that helps them, that lends them to playing better, even in difficult situations. Mm-hmm. I think Cavalry getting some more depth in that, in that department as well will help them loads. Uh, and I think that's a, those are two very shrewd, smart signings for mm-hmm. Cavalry so far as they look to charge on Pacific and, and fight them the whole way for that first spot in the table. Now for potential transfer targets or for a potential profile player that they could go for, I have gone for potentially, I mean, it's tough because Cavalry have been playing so well and a lot of their players have been stepping up a lot lately. But I think one one position that maybe hasn't done as much for Cavalry this, this half season so far, maybe the position they want to upgrade with is that 10 position. I think Sergio Camargo is a very good player. We've seen him be a good player in this league before, but he only has 
two goals this season, zero assists, I'm pretty sure, in the league so far. And obviously when you have these very exciting wingers that are sort of stealing the show, you're not going to have a very flashy 10. And he's more of that hardworking player, which is a, a, a very much a Tommy Wilden Jr. player, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I feel like if you can bring in maybe a 10 that flows a bit better, that can create a bit more, then Cavalry can be a bit more high-flying, a bit more high-scoring. I mean, Meyer Bevan, we can see how, how good he is as a striker. He's linking up well with the team, something that we can't say for all strikers in the league right now. If they can just, you know, not not I don't want to say that, you know, Camargo's playing poorly or he's letting this team down. Of course not. But I think that is one position where they could potentially upgrade to just go a little bit higher and really push Pacific all the way and 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 start to steamroll some teams because they have some of the attacking players, especially now with Akio, to uh, to be able to do that when they're playing on their best. Mike, what about you? Any any thoughts on pot- potential profiles or positions they might want to upgrade or or maybe get some backups off for? Yeah, I think the other, the other option uh, for me is just a bit of sort of reinforcement, sort of in-depth in defence, someone who can play a little bit across, another centre-back maybe that can play full-back as well, just to help them through the rest of the season, really. I think we've seen Kobza dropping back into defence, not going into midfield. It'd be nice for him to have a, like a more settled position. I think in the midfield, he's been really impressive. Um so someone maybe who could fill in those areas just to um, just to help the team get through the rest of the season. Really, it's like there's there's still a lot of games to go. They're going to want to be playing in the playoffs, and I just I am just really impressed with the team they've got together at the moment. And, you know, trying to pick like for you, I think as well, trying to pick someone to like an area they need an upgrade. It's it's really difficult. Um, so I think just adding depth in certain areas might be something that they're going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, and like I said before, depth I think is so so important in this league because you face you face teams so often, and eventually you're gonna be not necessarily found out, but you're gonna have to switch things up, keep things fresh because you know you're facing the same seven teams three times across the league. So you're gonna want to make sure that you're uh, playing you know some some good football that they can't anticipate or predict every single time and having depth having different players and profiles and in and every position will definitely help you maintain that so i think yeah some depth would be very much welcomed uh, for cavalry as well now we're going to move on to halifax they've only made one signing and probably one of the most high profile signings that the league has seen in its history of the five years Canadian men's national team very very own Doniel Henry has come in for Halifax Wanderers. And as much as we would love to talk about how great the signing is, we actually have a little interview that we did with Patrice Geyser, where we talked to him about what Doniel Henry brings to the squad, when we might be seeing him, how much of an impact does he have on the team and how much of an impact does he have on the league as it's continuing to grow to be able to attract this kind of high profile signing to this league. So here he is, Patrice Geyser, talking about Doniel Henry. Hey Patrice, thank you so much for joining us once again on Coast to Coast FC. How was training? Training was really good. We're still feeling the fatigue of the trip to Vancouver. Back to Halifax, to Calgary, trying to find their legs and prep for Saturday. But 
we got a good home stretch coming up and excited about it. Uh, so uh, today, I mean, we're chatting after uh, a huge signing that you guys had, uh, signing the Canadian international defender of uh, Doniel Henry. First and foremost, how did this opportunity come about? Yeah, I mean, I've known of Daniel for quite some time and our circles have crossed. And, you know, I knew that, um, you know, we needed to identify with Ryan's injury that we needed a center back with experience. And, you know, I always kept in touch with him. And, you know, when I found out that he was no longer in the MLS, kind of reached out and it took a couple of months to really get the conversation going. And then here we are. That's fantastic. I mean, his experience, like you say, is, is there to see. Um, but what does he bring your squad, particularly at this point of his career, sort of playing-wise and sort of as a leader? Yeah, I mean, I think Daniel has so much more to go, right? I mean, he's only at a young 30, so he's got at least, you know, four more years. And, you know, we're just trying to get him physically prepped, get him physically fit before he gets going. But uh, with that being said, we just... You know, the intensity and the experience he brings to such a young back line and already being able to coach them through things is so important. And he's a fantastic player. We, we've known that, but he's been sort of hampered by injuries throughout his yeah. career. And that's sort of one of the reasons why he might have left Minnesota in the first, first place. How are you hoping to manage that and, and help integrate him into the squad as smoothly as possible? Well, we don't want to speed him up too much. You know, I know everyone wants to see him play this Saturday and help us get a clean sheet as we do as well. But we're going to be cautious and try to bring him around, you know, bring him along slowly and surely. We play on a grass field. We have a great team that supports him. So, you know, we're going to just watch his load and increase it, hoping that he's prepped for good minutes in three weeks. But it's going to need some time and, you know, if we rush him, we're going to go back to exactly where he was with his injuries. Yeah, so you've mentioned, obviously, you guys play on the grass pitch, which must help um, play, obviously, um, injury-wise. You've got seven home games left, including this one this week, so it's probably then six. Uh, are these kind of games the ones that are potentially earmarked more for Donnell, Donnell to get more involved in the team? Yeah, for sure. The whole, and again, because we have a great home fan support, they're going to get behind them. So, you know, and we want him to feel that connection with the fans and feel it. And obviously being on grass will help all of it. So, yes, yes. And he's signed uh, for the rest of the season, helping you guys up in that push for the playoffs. But he also has an option for next year as well. What makes you confident that he can sort of integrate with the squad, maintain healthy and, and, and be able to push on and play for you guys next year as well? Yeah, I've known Denis for quite some time. So, I mean, every, anybody that we kind of bring into the team, we're super cautious. And we make sure that they're good people. Uh, there's so many good players out there, but for us to qualify the human is more important than the player. So we know that Daniel was going to come in and respect our core values in our mission statement. And he's come in and just done that. Furthermore, he's gone and, you know, pushed the group already in his day two. And we'll see what happens and how the season finishes. But... We want to get him ramped up. I know he's got an ambition to go play at a higher league one more time. And hopefully the minutes we can provide him and his experience and our training will give him just that. And you've got, you've mentioned obviously the reasons for bringing in adding experience. Two young centre-backs have played a lot for you, Kyle Lowry and Daniel Nimick, who have been very good this year. Um, 
we've we've spoken in our interview before how well uh, Daniel Nimick was playing coming in. How how big is this going to be for them personally in their development, having someone of Daniel's experience as well as ability to sort of train with and hopefully play alongside? Yeah, I mean, there's we can do whatever we want as coaches. We can bring them along. We can talk to the guys. But to have a person like that ability to be able to coach them and give them tips is irreplaceable. You know, like you can't speed up development, but you can certainly help with certain things. So this is one of them. Um, th- this signing is huge in more ways than one. Obviously, uh, the signing of a Canadian uh, men's national team defender. You said he's sturdy. How big is this signing for this young league that's only five years old? Yeah, I think it's massive, Felipe. I mean, it's uh, like I said the other day, I think this is a marquee signing for Halifax because you chose that very destination for elite players. We're not just a team that has fun and, you know, we can attract the best of the best. But it also shows the ambition of the league. The league has not been able to attract a player like this. So for us to come in and to be able to bring him here, hopefully it opens the doors of more to come. So I think it's honestly, and I'm not saying this because it's our signing, it's one of the best and biggest signings there's been in the history of the club and the league. So hopefully it paves the way for many more to consider playing in CPL rather than playing in some of these smaller leagues in Europe. Because CPL is certainly a growing league with high aspirations. Uh, it's really exciting. Like I say, yeah, we'll be eagerly anticipating his debut, but obviously knowing that's being managed. And you say there about the big signings coming in. Um, yeah. uh, is there any more that we maybe can expect from Halifax? Maybe new out, more incomings or outgoings? We're always looking to try to improve things during this window. You know, but as I said, you know, sometimes you got to assess and make sure that mentally they're good people and they're coming in to be good assets. I think what we have, we're at a very good place. But, you know, um, I think with the way our leadership works, we're always looking for always strong additions. So we'll see what happens. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you so much, Patrice. That's all the questions we have for you. Uh, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day uh, and good luck uh, this weekend and with the rest of the season. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mr. Thank you much. Take care, Felipe. See you guys. And that was Patrice Geyser talking about uh, the new signing of Daniel Henry and potentially, you know, maybe some signings in the future. He didn't close that door completely. <laughs> uh, clearly, evidently for him, it's about, you know, are can they buy into this philosophy? Can they buy into the way that this team works? That's the most important part for for Patrice, the way that he talked about it. For, and that's something that I really appreciate. It's not just we're going to sign any, you know, any big name that kind of pops by, you know, we'll try to have a go. No, they have to actually fit the system we have to do a big evaluation can we bring this player in and will it complement the system rather than maybe disrupt it i think that's something that's mm-hmm. uh, a great thing for for halifax but i mean Daniel henry incredible player incredible signing what were your thoughts when when you saw that signing be announced mike and, and what do you think he'll bring to this league yeah, I mean, obviously, Ryan James getting injured has been really, really harsh um, for their sort of depth and experience at Halifax in the defence there. And we got Kale Lowry and Daniel Nimick, 21 and 22 years old, playing fantastically. But when you get the opportunity to bring in someone of uh, Daniel's sort of experience and ability to help like develop these players, and Patrice said it didn't need, there's so much a coach can do, but sometimes a role model on the pitch training with them is uh, can do so much more as well. So 
that's really going to help. I mean, Christian Campana's there. He's played fullback at time most of the time. He's their other option, maybe going to centre back, but this just gives them a little bit extra depth. It's still questionable how much he's going to play. Hopefully, he'll play as much as possible, but uh, we all want to see him back and healthy. Um, playing on that grass pitch will hopefully help. Um, but it just yeah gives him something extra on the pitch, but I think off the pitch is going to be the biggest sort of impression that like a player like him can make to this squad uh, who are playing really well. Um, and I think that's why like, Patrice isn't sort of going off saying, yeah, we need this, we need this, we need this. Um, because their, their team is so, yeah, on paper, maybe other players might come in and they might look on paper. Yeah, they, they could be an upgrade, but I think they've just got this such a great group and you've got to find players for the group, like he said, who, who will fit in well. Um, Gian Morelli coming back as well is great. Like his returning from injury, that's like a new signing as well, isn't it? To add to that depth up front. Yeah, Gian Morelli. I, I'm so excited to see him once properly integrated with the squad to see what he brings to this team because we've seen how much quality he can bring to a Halifax squad that definitely, I think now we can certainly say was leagues away from how good this Halifax squad is mm. and see what kind of quality he can bring to this team. It's super exciting. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I think Doniel Henry, his experience being able to mold these two young center backs that we've seen Kyle Lowry and, and Daniel Nemec into being even better than they have been is huge. And even if the, the great, the I think one of the best parts is that even if he's not on the pitch all the time, mm. even if he's still, you know, oh, he's obviously been struggling with fitness issues for a large part of his uh, career in, in recent mm. time. Even if he's not playing every minute of, of every game, just having his experience there, having his leadership there, it will be such an asset to the team that it can help them push on to really get into those playoff spots and fight fight for fourth and fifth position, um, maybe even higher. You never know. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a very good signing there. And like you said, I mean, talking about potential, uh, you know, transfer profiles that we can look for, it's, it's a little tough because they're so good in every department really the system that they that they play is, is is so so well you could talk about maybe in the attack maybe you know a number nine but you have Diego Coimbra who's done well and you you have Teo Colom there as a backup so do they really need something else there obviously they don't need anything on the wings I think with Massimo Ferrin and yeah and Daniels I think they're, they're very set there so the only position that I could really think of a maybe getting upgrade is on the goalkeeping position. Hmm. Now I think Jan Fillion's a pretty pretty good shot stopper. He has been sort of prone to maybe not being able to make some saves on goals that should have um, been saved. And he's also, I've seen the last few games, been prone to getting a few injuries. He's gone hmm. down quite a few times for. For a goalkeeper, you don't see that very much. So I was thinking potentially, I mean, out of all positions, I think that might be a, a position that they could look to improve upon. And obviously, as a Whitecaps uh, reporter, you know, there is a Whitecaps goalkeeper that hasn't had much playing time that maybe would like some playing time in the CPL, and that's Thomas Hassel. Uh, it would be interesting to see if he'd be kid. He would be able to fit that system because obviously they like to play at the back, and that's mm-hmm. something that Hassel has traditionally been a bit uh, weak in. So uh, it would be definitely a case where he would have to learn and improve upon. But that'd be a great uh, place to learn because that's the same way that Whitecaps would like to play. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think maybe 
an upgrade on the goalkeeping could help them elevate that just a little bit more, somebody a bit, maybe a little bit more secure at the back to kind of, you know, show up in this, in the way that Callum Irving and Ryan Yesley have be able to save their team when they have sort of, you know, maybe being a bit disorganized in the defense. And if they can do that, I mean, a lot of the times I think when they have these away performances that they haven't yet to be able to win is because they concede late or they, they have these periods where they kind of, you know, they switch off because maybe the way that they were playing wasn't super sustainable across 90 minutes. They need somebody there to bail them out when, when things get tough. And I think maybe a better goalkeeper might, uh, might help them. But Mike, for you, I know this is another really tough one. <laughs> yeah. Is there any position that you think the Halifax might be able to improve upon or maybe get some more depth in? Um, I don't think so, personally, um, because like you say, they've they've been playing well as a group. They seem really organised. And I think the the big thing about this team was how much was done pre-season. Like all these players are new, <laughs> almost. And they've, they've now had sort of six, seven months getting used to each other, getting to know each other and building up how they're playing. And there's been quite a lot of rotation in areas. They've got decent depth in a lot of um, positions. So, I, I, yeah, goalkeeper might be one that they want to upgrade, like you say. Um, but I can't imagine unless... I don't think they're out searching for anyone else. And I can't imagine another signing coming in specifically for the fact that they had so many in preseason as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that, it, it, again, it's it's a... Uh... It's a tough one because, yeah, in midseason, are they really going to bring in somebody like that in? Unless maybe they could strike a deal, like I said, with the Whitecaps mm-hmm. and and get Thomas Hassall in for a short-term contract or a short-term loan, rather, to help them yeah. finish the season off. Maybe, but that's the only thing I can I can really see for this team. Because um, aside from that, I think they have they have the parts that they need to be able to succeed uh in this league and and to push uh for the playoffs so uh yeah another tough one there um but now moving on to our next team we're gonna go to the capital with ottawa's new recruits who we've already seen them for a little while they've had a few games under their belt uh they brought in two spanish players that have definitely increased their quality on the team. Alberto Zapater has come in, as well as Ruben Del Campo, the striker. The veteran midfielder of Zapater, an, an exciting striker, and Ruben Del Campo, I think uh, definitely adds a new sort of profile to this team of Ottawa. I mean, Sam Salter in striker hasn't had the best of times adjusting to Ottawa's play style, I think, bringing a striker like Ruben Del Campo to maybe help push him more, to pro- provide that competition. Um, I think that will help Salter maybe try to find his best form. And if not, well, at least they have a different profile striker there that, that maybe fits better with their philosophy that they're working towards right now. And I mean, Zapata, we've seen, we saw in that last game against uh, Vancouver, he just loves to run the show. A player of his you know, experience and, and quality, uh, you know, you can't pressure him. He's not somebody who's going to panic under pressure. He's always going to be able to find that pass, find some relief or just dribble past you with ease. He's got that elegance about him that comes with, with his age, I think. And uh, yeah, two great signings for them as well as uh, a recent one, uh, uh, which was um, 
Omar Darwish, who came as a developmental contract from Ottawa South United. Uh, I don't think we've seen much of him. I can't recall if he's made an appearance for them yet. Um, But another young player that they can bring in. Uh, But really, it's about the two Spanishmen that we want to talk about today. And Mike, what have you thought of the two Spaniards? Yeah, like not knowing where they were sort of physically and I mean um and ready to get straight into the action. Uh they certainly showed they were <laughs> new coming in with the experience. Obviously, Zapater, we knew he was going to be a like a quality player. Uh he's fitted in straight away and looks uh, ready and ready and up for it. Uh, that's really exciting to see. Uh Del Campo, really exciting. Uh off the ball, pressing high and getting in, getting involved and can see him um having a decent time um with Ottawa, especially as they keep improving um and they keep playing better as a group. So it'd be uh yeah two really exciting signings. Um I'm not sure what they'd want to do going forward. I think the biggest questions they'll have uh is probably preparing themselves for next year. Um so with Maybe at centre back, obviously with loans of some of these players, Luke Singh. Like, if there is, if he's not coming back next year, then what are we doing? Maybe they're going to be looking at sort of for longer term transfer targets. I think um, if they're going to bring any more players in, because right now the the squad's on a great roll, and I think we've seen them from the beginning of the season slowly improve and improve and get used to being that side that teams will go in with a lot of respect for and try to eliminate how they want to play. Um, so I think that they, they, they're performing really well. Um, and it's, yeah, I think it's more looks towards 2024 with their transfer activity. Yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, yeah, the Luke Singh is the biggest question mark. Mm. And that's why uh, I put down perhaps getting a defender in yeah. because uh, Luke Singh has been good. Uh, but if he's not coming back, maybe you want to bring somebody in and have them slowly adjust to the team. So by the time 2024 comes, he's already sat and ready. He's with the team right now, rather than trying to get him adjusted to the league early on in 2024. Maybe bringing him now would be a smart idea. A defender that could help them, uh, you know, get a little bit more depth in that position. Because we've seen that when Ottawa has a bit of injury in defense, it can get a bit leaky at times. Obviously, having Miguel Acosta and um Espejo there are, are two kind of players that help elevate that defense but do you always want Miguel Acosta there or mm. do you want to push him further but up into midfield maybe bringing another defender that can cover him on the right back as well could could yeah. be useful um but yeah I mean especially if you look at you know some of the stats with with Ottawa Ottawa their expected goals against is 16.69 and they've conceded 19 goals so they've actually conceded more goals than they should have, uh, according to the stats. Yeah. So maybe bringing in a, a, another defender in there can help them shore up that aspect of them. Mm-hmm. Because obviously in the midfield, I mean, the midfield with Ali Bassett, you don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. And now they brought Sabater in and Del Campo to help in the attack. And they have John O'Neill SC as well as a, an exciting winger that can help them out. So. I think in the midfield, their attack, they should be good, but looking towards the future, looking to maybe build a, a, a more, you know, reliable and natural defensive line for them might help them bring them back to the um, the heights that they saw uh, last year. Um, 
and, and get them into those positions to compete with the likes of Pacific and Forge again. Um, but unless you have any other ideas there, Mike, or I don't think so. I mean, if you like, I guess with that, the um, the the expected goals against, uh, I guess, um, you know, being overly critical, Nathan Ingham's footwork maybe yeah, caused a yeah. lot of these issues. So uh, I can't I can't imagine them going out for another goalkeeper. But um, yeah, I think defenders. It's yeah, I think it's just preparation they're bringing in players from spain who know the spanish system and they're able to fit in uh into this group whereas i think if they're going to be looking elsewhere and if they find opportunities for players elsewhere now would be a great time to get them in and so it gives them that yeah second half of the season to prepare for next year yeah definitely but now we're going to move on to a team that has had no incomings and no outgoings. They have been quite as a mouse, this transfer window. And that is Valor. But probably the team that needs the most improvement, arguably, aside from Vancouver. But they have already made moves. Yeah. Because this team is, I think it's safe to say, severely underperforming given the quality that they have across the team, mm-hmm. which I think, again, makes it a little bit harder to think of potentially what they could improve upon because of, you know, they have these pieces, mm-hmm. a, you know, Nyong'a Bire, they have one of the best midfielders in the league. And we spoke about this in the last episode a bit, but really, mm-hmm. is it a, a case of personnel or is it a case of playing style and maybe in the coach's dugout? Um, but we're still going to try to look for uh, a, a position that they could improve upon. I think both of us are are pretty y- united in this opinion that they definitely need something in the attack, whether that be a striker or, or center forward or the like. I think that's somebody that they uh, definitely, definitely need moving forward. Uh, Mike, what do you think? What kind of attacker does Valor need to try to get them out of this goal scoring slump that they've been in? Yeah, I think if they're going to look at the centre forward, which might be a decent shout, uh, like you say, I think they need to find someone who fits similar roles to what Anthony Novak's there to do, but has the movement and the and the uh, athleticism maybe of Siage. They need to blend that striker, I think, because when they play one of them, they miss a little bit of the other. Um, and so I think that's something that they really need to look for, because if you're not playing with the uh with the number 10 if you're playing with sort of three eights really or three sixes depending on if you've got the ball or not um it makes it really difficult for the striker if they're a target man because the ball's going wide and the crosses are coming in but they're not getting help in the box so they're being marked like it's 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 quite repetitive uh and it makes you bang your head against the wall sometimes watching them so I think if they if they want to do that, they need to bring in a maybe a defend a striker who's a big forward who's got a better movement. Um and they, if not, they need to find a way where they feel more comfortable in upgrading that creativity in the middle in a number 10. If they don't think Ian Williams can do um the work off of the ball in a more defensive style, possibly, which is why we haven't seen him feature very much in the number 10, despite how well we thought he did attacking-wise when he did. Uh, they need to find someone who's going to be a lot, a lot, maybe possibly a lot harder worker off of the ball. That means they don't lose as much of that solid defensive midfield that they 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 like to use. Um, 
they just got to take some of this pressure off the likes of a show. Yo is constantly, it's like, right, get up the line and cross. Okay, that's done. Nyong'o Biere, get the ball to feet and run at them. They need to mix things up a little bit more in there. Um, I like Ponce. I like Siaj as a wide player as well to come in. Uh, Kean Williams, I think, can fit everywhere. I like him in the 10s, we've mentioned. Um, but yeah, it's that. Find a more defensive number 10, maybe, that's got the creativity. We'll find a blend of Novak and Siaj to go up front. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I that's I agree with you. I, I think for me, what they need is a creatively minded striker center forward. Because it, exactly like you said, it's really hard for them to find that spark of creativity when they're playing with sixes and eights all across that midfield. Mm -hmm. And if it's not Keanu Williams in that sort of 10 position, which I know you love very much, but we don't see that all that often, then you need somebody else that can kind of drop back. And I think if a striker kind of turns into a bit of more of a creative player, maybe as a false nine and allow the wingers then to become the focal point of the, of, of the attack instead of, just going out and crossing, but actually mm-hmm. going into the box, making those runs into the box. I think Nyonga Bire is a player that can do that and benefit yeah. from that very, very well, given his physicality, given he's like, he's very explosive as well. And, and he, he can dribble past players and he has a hell of a shot on him. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have uh, somebody like that, that can benefit from a more creative attacking player, like a creative striker, I think that could help Valor a lot because that's the biggest thing. They get they win back the ball up high. They they do everything that they need to in the defensive third and even in the midfield third. But then in the attacking third, that's where everything just goes to die. That's where it all falls flat. Yeah. So if they bring a striker in that can help connect defense and midfield to attack and create chances for them. Then there you might be able to find, um, uh, you know, the tr- the true potential. I think of valor because they have that we we've seen that with the players that they have they have great potential they've just been falling so so flat in the attack so i think yeah a creative minded striker slash center forward would definitely help them um and and hopefully maybe push them to climb up that table but you know we'll see if they do any business at all in this transfer window um but now uh we'll move on to york united the Ontario team, they have done some very recent business. And yeah. by very recent, I mean, we are recording on the 20th and this deal was done yesterday. It was so recent. I didn't realize until this morning that it was done. <laughs> uh, when I saw saw it on the our little transfer tracker that we have here, Carson Bushman Dormond, I believe is how you say his name, <laughs> has come in for your, to York United, the winger slash wing back, a 20-year-old and under-21 player. Uh, yeah. Thank the heavens, York United <laughs> brought in an under-21 player. We had, I think everyone was trying to rack their brains on how York United were going to be able to get these under-21 minutes. Mm. Um, now they've brought in this player of of um, Carson's quality. Um, he's a player that, you know, uh, BC boy who's gone through some of the BC academies he was with white caps then he went out to i believe it was estonia and then from estonia he went to a, the swiss league i think to play for the under 21s of his team um uh i think it was grasshopper and then now come into this league 
well, York, York with York United, 20 years old, but has a bit of a European experience with them and can hopefully slot right into that first team and not only help his team get results, but almost at this point, more importantly, get his team those under 21 minutes because I believe now they need like 130 something minutes yeah, 130 per match. Per match um, for players under 21. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to, to meet, meet the quota. And if I recall correctly, no team has ever missed that quota as of yeah. yet in the five years. So it would be a huge disappointment if York United, especially given some of the runs that they've been on, had to forfeit their place in the playoffs because they didn't reach the under 21 minutes. I think this is, I mean, how how relieving do you think this signing is to be able to bring a player like um, uh, Carson in, into the team? 100%. I mean, the injury to Wojciechowski makes, made everything look really, really worrying. Um how they were going to uh, sort this. I mean, I thought uh, Noah Abetner, um showed himself quite well um, against Cavalry. Uh, they got a player there that they can bring in uh, just 18. Uh, in goal, uh, Imaras, I believe, counts towards minutes. Um, so I think we could see him coming in at times. But they've hit a bit of a poor run of form. Uh, now sitting in fifth, there's that worry of, are we going to make, like, we need to, get ourselves settled and do we want to keep bringing out Giantopolis who was fantastic against Pacific in a very quiet game but kept them get won them the point um so you don't want to be risk moving him around too much so players needed to come in I think looking at that sort of fullback area if you can get you're not having to constantly rotate Paris G in different places if you can find someone who can come in there and play a play a few regular minutes that would be really good um but i think with someone like um i'm just going to go with carson rather than the full that's what i just went <laughs> for just just to limit the episode slightly um i think adding someone who can provide those little links on the in the wing as well is fine because they're attacking players as much as they're very good um, I think can can go in and out of games too much, and bringing in like that, that's where Wojciechowski would have played, I think, and it's it's an area of the pitch where I think they're quite comfortable in rotating um, because they've got the quality there. That yeah, we're going to play with three attacking players behind. We can play a young player there when we've got Mobabuli back from suspension in the middle. And then we can put Bahia, Kevin Dos Santos, um, Alou if necessary, Petrasso. They can all they can all fit different areas. Um, so they can they can add that position quite comfortably. I think that will take up ninety minutes a game if they can get through the whole thing. Um, and then yeah, then it's going to be working out. Yeah, can we get Nurabetner in um, into more matches? From there, it's going to be tricky, isn't it? I think they're going to definitely need some more additions in that sort of younger age category yeah and i think that's you know pretty evident of what's the transfer profile that they need it's not even yeah. a position it's an no. age they mm. need under 21 players yeah. and uh, you know like you said ready to fit in. yeah <laughs> exactly it's 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 kind of finding that balance of you know you don't want to just throw in kids and throw them <laughs> into a professional setting mm. right because we've seen how that might not be the greatest thing uh with vancouver you want to bring players who have 
had professional experience, but are still under the age of 21. And, you know, with, with Carson coming in from, I want to correct myself, from Zurich, not from Zurich, from, yeah. from, from Zurich um, I think he definitely fits that bill. And like you said, mm-hmm. with Noah Batnick coming in after injury, maybe Theo after work as well, um, being able to come back from injury can help them out, get those minutes. But mm-hmm. I think they definitely need to add one or two more players. I mean, they did add uh, Trevine Esprit. Uh, I think that's how you say his name as well. He came from Derby FC, a semi-pro side in Whitby, Ontario. Um, on a U-sports contract, we'll see how much of him we actually see uh, since it's a U-sports contract. But uh, I think they need to add a bit more it's hard to say seasoned professionals when they're on their 21 players that have seen at least one or two years of professional soccer um, can definitely help them out and work towards those minutes because yeah, they definitely now need to start almost prioritizing playing the young players now than what are the best players Mm. for the given game or at least putting on the same level because uh, you know, if you prioritize one, the, the, you know, playing your best 11 over the youth players, you can play and win every game you want. You're not going to be at the playoffs yeah. come the end of the season if you don't reach that quota. So now it's definitely a headache It's for a really Martin Nash. Strange time for York because, yeah, like we say, yeah, play your first 11. They look to get their points up and get themselves comfortable and then start bringing in more of these young players. But they hit a poor run of form and they're right, they've been dragged right into the mix. And now they're having to worry about making sure they're accumulating these uh, minutes. Um, an interesting read on the, uh, the Northern Tribune talking about how um, Carson could maybe fill that left wing back role, obviously left sense, left um, full back role that the son of when he left to go back, uh, he wanted to return to Holland, uh, the Netherlands. It could be quite interesting to see if he fills in there uh, as more of like an attacking fullback because, York is struggling for goals at times or maybe adding someone Paris G is maybe not the most attacking fullback. Um, maybe that could mix up what they're doing a little bit. Yeah, I think, yeah, La Santa Fe going back to uh, the Netherlands there, they have a good gap there. I think he probably will fill that wingback role. Mm. I'd be interested to see how well he fills it because I haven't seen that much of him but the no. little I've seen has been in more of an attacking sense. Mm. So I'm curious to see how he performs if he's put in a defensive role. But I think at the end of the day, he's under 21. He's getting them under 21 <laughs> minutes. That's first and foremost the most important part. So I think regardless of where he'll play, as long <laughs> as he plays, people will be happy. Yeah. Um, and now we're going to actually, I think we're going to do both of these remaining two teams sort mm. of in tandem just because like valor they have no real they haven't done any transfer news at all they haven't had any outgoings or any ingoings uh and they also don't know if there's anything that they really need and that's specific fc and forge fc obviously forge fc have had that slump but i don't think you can rely necessarily on saying that it was due to personnel i think they were just being unlucky and maybe you know 
some grander issues that can't really be solved in the midseason. Maybe at the end of the season or in preseason for next season, we could talk about potential transfers there. Maybe they need to get more fresh legs in. They have to let some of the old guard out. They need to adapt and freshen up because then maybe, maybe it's the case, you know, that, you know, this is something I always see in soccer. If you stick too much with your, the same team across so many years, eventually you're going to get found out and you're going to go yeah, down the pecking order. You need stale, to... Exactly. It goes a bit mm-hmm. stale. You need to refresh and stuff like that. But I don't think any of that we can apply to right now. There's nothing no, practical yeah. that they can do uh, in this mid-season window. And uh, likewise with Pacific, I mean, top of the table, it's always easy to say they're top of the table. They don't need any help. Um, but even, but obviously, you know, they have a, they've had a little bit of a stumble lately. But again, I don't think that's due to personnel necessarily. Um, they obviously have so much depth that it's even hard to think of potential positions yeah. where they could improve upon. Um, the only thing I could say, and this is literally, I was just, I was racking my brain before we started recording of what I could say for, for these two teams, I think maybe for Pacific in a similar way to Valor, maybe a more, uh, creative, but this time a 10, a creative mm. 10 midfield player. Cause they have very good eights and again maybe some creative eights as well Manny Aparicio and um you know Sean Young but maybe I don't know I'm a sucker for that classic 10 role I know it's sort of died <laughs> in modern football now it's all about the eights and and the sixes but I always loved that 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 mm. perfect 10 role that classic 10 role when I was growing up so maybe it's just me wanting to see that again but I think <laughs> That can add something extra. Pacific has struggled at times to break down teams that mm-hmm. go into low blocks, and you need that creative player to be able to do that. Somebody that can unlock a defense, and that may be something that they could get to again. Clutching at straws here, really, because these two teams yeah. are are quite stacked. But yeah. uh, I, I, I I was thinking that, and then and for Forge, uh, the only other thing I was thinking was maybe another. A, at eight to kind of compliment more Kyle Becker. Cause we've seen that Sissoko, I don't think has been that, I mean, he, I think he was underrated at the beginning of the season, but he's sort of fallen away since then. Mm-hmm. Noah Jensen has come in and I actually really rate Noah Jensen. So I don't know if they need another eight, uh, potentially another know. eight, just to, just to take some pressure off of Kyle Becker there. Somebody who's as, well, it's hard to say as creative as he is because he is, you know, <laughs> One of the league's best players, but somebody that can, you know, maybe, you know, sort of punch up uh, and and try to beat that ability, help take that pressure off of Kyle Becker. Because we said so many times that they've needed uh, to not put everything on Kyle Becker. But that's about it. I don't know about you, Mike, if you can think of anything or if you just think that they're just good across the board. Yeah, I mean, they're too well put together rosters, aren't they? I'll be... um... Really interested to know what um what Pacific thought when Alejandro Diaz came back to uh, BC um with the uh, the run of one nils and nil nils that they've had uh whether those 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 thoughts of bringing him specifically back may have been tempting um because they've struggled with their strikers for goals but I don't think that's saying that they're bad strikers I don't think they're looking at offloading any of the three of them um so yeah they're well put together a number 10 like you say I think it's interesting because they need someone if they're going to play this sort of 4-3-3 they need someone who's more 
attack minded maybe than the uh, Manny Aprecio, um, who does so much of the good things, but he likes to roam. <laughs> um, so someone maybe who can feel that is yeah, is the only one because Adonai Jarid's been sort of sort of forced into that at times and to be that number nine, like sometimes he wants to be out wide. I think they're just getting used to each other. Um, like the uh, the new signings from the preseason um, and getting back into a rhythm. Like we say, you saw Forge have had their slump. Pacific are now having their tough time. Um, and when you look at these two squads, you you can't see that happening for long periods. Um, and they'll, they'll, they'll definitely get things working. Uh, and I, I can't imagine it. Unless something falls into your lap that... You can't imagine. I don't think anything will happen this uh, at this moment in time. Yeah, I think both teams are gonna are pretty happy with what they have, unless you know a team comes in to buy a player off of them. That's the only thing that I think yeah. might spark them into wanting to do some business. If is if a team comes in and and tries to buy somebody off of them from outside of the league. I think that's the only real thing I can see. But yeah, aside from that, it will be. Forge continuing to be Forge and Pacific continuing to be Pacific. Uh, hopefully uh, they will continue to provide some excitement for us as the league progresses. Uh, but that's it for this uh, transfer roundup slash transfer prospects. Uh, now we can move on to the previews for this week's games. A little bit of a preview to talk about the four games that are coming for this weekend. Uh, and we'll start with, uh, very quickly, we'll go through them. Uh, Pacific against Forge, this Friday night massive match mm-hmm. uh, that has some pretty big potential implications yeah. for the title fights. Mike, what are you hoping to see? What are you looking forward to in this match? And what are the po- potential consequences if you know the match goes a certain way in favor of Pacific or in favor of Forge, yeah, this is going to be really exciting uh, on paper, and I'm a little bit concerned it's going to turn into being a very quiet, slowed down game. Which I think Forge did really well when they went to um, Starlight early in the season. They were a much more defensively minded team than you'd usually expect them to be. Um, they made it really hard, and Pacific couldn't really get going, um, and Forge did what they needed to do rather than anything else um so i'm curious as to what's going to happen between these pacific needs desperately to work out how to speed up games um they're in a very new situation where teams are number one priority we're slowing this game down and then we'll see what to do afterwards um it's that's it's a really really big challenge for pacific i think they're really they're struggling to do it at the moment um coming home they've only got five home games left of the season and they need to really make these count because when they go as the away team teams are very very deep against them and making it very very hard um forge you know, i mean if they get this win they tie up with pacific on points Pacific, obviously of the game in hands but with the run they're on two points from the last four games it's uh piles on even more pressure uh for james merriman's team yeah, I think this is a huge match for Pacific for that very reason, because now they have not that many home games left. And when you have more away games and home games, that puts a lot of pressure on you, a lot more pressure than than you would normally have, because not only are the home games now must wins, basically, to try mm-hmm. to maximize your points, 
but also you've got to think about um you know when you play away how are you going to play you're not yeah. going to be able to play as comfortably as you do at home so you're going to have to figure out i mean the, the beauty about pacific is that they have the depth to be able to figure that out now mm. it's about figuring it out yeah and but first and foremost for Pacific for this coming weekend is obviously that game again. This game against Forge, huge rivals. Uh, they are in better form in the last four games. They won two, drawn one, lost one, so they're in a bit of an incline there. Uh, and I think you know they they will be a, a bit confident because last time that they faced uh, in Starlight Stadium on April thirtieth, they came away one nil winners. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they will also think that they can do that again now that they're coming back in a little bit better form. So I think, yeah, I'm hoping not to see any, um, you know, we call, you know, how we mentioned a chess match where it's a bit of a slog. <laughs> I'm hoping we don't see too many chess match moments in this one, and it's more of a high profile game and uh, you know filled with end to end and goals and chances yeah. and excitement. Uh, but you know we can't always get that tactics will will always you know be about winning rather than putting on a good show i think in this business but uh one can always hope uh we'll move on to the second game which is halifax wanderers against atletico ottawa this is another good game here because halifax have been on great form Mm. at home um this will Probably, yeah, this will be too soon for uh, for Henry, as we heard from Patrice yeah. Geyser, but he'll probably be at the stands. And he'll get to, you know, take it all in and everything. So it'll still be a nice occasion for him. Uh, and they go against a tough Ottawa side who mm-hmm. are on fantastic form, like we mentioned in the roundup, 3-4-3 three, three in, in, in seven days, essentially. Yeah. So in, in, in red-hot form, they're going to look for their fourth straight win going to Halifax, but a very tough environment at Wanderers grounds. Do you, Mike, do you think that Ottawa are are going to be full of confidence for this? Do you think that they can provide a huge upset to this Halifax crowd? Or do you think the odds are still in the favor of the home side? I definitely I think three wins of the week. By, by like that buys you a lot of confidence doesn't it um the way they're playing as well like they're really hard to break down and they're, and they're scoring goals it's not like these are scrappy one nils each week they're scoring goals they're doing well they're creating plenty of chances and that's one thing we know about this Halifax side if you do regularly um get forward and you can counter on them I mean York did it um and got a 3-0 win when they went there early in the season Halifax had turned that form around at home but it's still against a top top side that can really counter against the Halifax side that will want to keep the ball so that's is we've seen how tough it is breaking down Atletico it's going to make it even more difficult for Halifax this is one of those teams that you can't just turn up and play quick football and hope to hope their defenders will just start chasing the ball and forgetting about their positions. That just doesn't happen with this team. So I think this one's going to be really exciting. Okay, the way that both teams have been playing, Atletico especially, Halifax especially at home. Uh, this one's got yeah a lot of this lot lot to go for it. Um, and I think this is one that York United fans will be really tuning in for because, I mean, they played one more than both these teams. If Halifax, if Halifax get the win, then York could, will uh, drop out of those playoff spots um, and still like, and 
have to uh, have to go and get some points in that next game to climb back up. So it's really got tight. It's really got quite exciting around those areas. Yeah, I think, and you're right. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, York United are going to be very much wearing a bit of red and white for this match <laughs> to uh, to make sure that they don't fall out of the the, the playoff spots there. Um, but yeah, I think one, I mean, one huge battle that we're going to see in this one, if we want to talk about certain players, is obviously Ali Bassett against Lorenzo Caligari. Mm-hmm. These two midfield players, they were in our. Uh, team of the season so far and i think yep. deservedly so for what they've done for each of their teams respectively and i think an attacking player attacking midfield player against a defensive midfield player arguably the best attacking midfield player in the league against arguably <laughs> yeah. the best defensive midfield player in the league that's going to be some tasty battles yeah. in that sort of you know middle third of the pitch and i think that's going to be something that we're going to definitely look forward to but mm. Yeah, Halifax. If Halifax win this, it'll be huge uh, for them to be able to stop Ottawa in their tracks um, and push into that fifth position. So huge stakes for them as well to try to get into that playoff position. And Ottawa, if they win this, then they actually jump ahead of Forge mm. uh, one point over them with 24 points and will go level with Cavalry, although Cavalry have a game in hand. So the, uh, if auto win this this will put them right into the conversation for the top two positions which is obviously where every team wants to finish given the way that the playoffs work yeah so i think this another game with a potential huge potential ramifications but now we'll move on to the third game which is vancouver against cavalry in langley i will actually be here for this match so i will be able to give you first-hand account of how this game goes <laughs> uh when we do our roundup on monday um but yeah this is going to be a, a huge match because vancouver fc they had that performance against atletico ottawa where they were good in spells and obviously the two big players that came in recently performed relatively well now it's about finding out how the rest of the team can sort of catch up to their to their mm. big signings yeah. and can they do that in front of their fans at home because last time these two teams faced it was in that 1-1 draw uh, that criminally saw, I think, Rocco Romeo. Yeah, it was Rocco Romeo get that yeah. red card. Um, <laughs> hopefully, there's a bit less dramatics in that sense. I guess, I mean, if you love that, then maybe you want <laughs> to see more of that. But uh, yeah, this is a, another pretty big game, mostly for Cavalry. I mean, if Vancouver can get this, obviously, it's a huge coup for them to mm. be able to win against a, a strong side like Cavalry. And then it'll put them on uh, level points with valor although valor will have um uh oh no depending on the valor game obviously they could potentially be on the same points or not um but it will help them charge towards trying to get that final playoff spot um if there is to be a a late resurgence it kind of has to start now so Mm -hmm. this will be a very big game for vancouver but for cavalry this obviously they need to try to get this win here to put the pressure back onto pacific especially since pacific have arguably a harder match against yeah. Forge FC, obviously in the Canadian Premier League. You never know what's the harder match because anyone can beat anyone in this mm-hmm. league. That's sort of the beauty of this competition. But it's still a it's still a, a relatively on paper easier match for, for Cavalry. So I'm excited to see how this one will turn out. Mike, well, how do you think this one will go in Langley? 
Yeah, I think Cavalry, um, Tommy Woodin rested Ali Moosey last week and just gave him the whole week, like the match off, just to um, make sure that he was fit for this one rather than risking any sort of niggling injuries. Intigmi only played half the game. He's ready to go. I think they, we've got these additions coming in. They look in full strength. They look in really good form. Um, Halifax did their best last week to really, really show them and they got away with it. I think Cavalry have a very fortunate own goal, but they just kept going and they keep pressing and they keep to their game plan and you know you can't let up at any moment. And I think that's Vancouver's biggest weakness is they will let up at times. Um, so I, I, the way that Cavalry are playing, I, I really think they'll keep continuing. Um, they should get the win here and keep the pressure on those the other sides in that sort of top four area um, because yeah, they've, they've got those players fresh and ready with backups coming in uh, all competing for places. So everyone's going to be playing at the top of their game, knowing they don't want to lose their spot. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing that Vancouver all have to be wary of is that, you know, players are going to be coming back in raring to go, raring to keep their place as they've now brought in a few for you depth pieces in so it'll be a, a i think a very intense game and i think um you know vancouver are gonna have to be ready for an even more physical affair than they found themselves having in their first match in their first home match so i think it'll be yeah, a very heated affair i'm very excited to go and see this match and it'll be, uh it'll be really oh, interesting sorry to see how uh, mickey Kantav gets up against his uh former teammates and how what kind of a what kind of a welcome he gets back to playing against his old side. <laughs> very true, very true. Mickey Cantab, first time that he'll face his former team. Uh, I mean, uh, for him, I guess a, l- a little bit luckily, it'll be in Langley, not in, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's going to be a, a different reception, I think, over there. But um, yeah, exciting match for this one. And hopefully it'll be a, a good one to watch for me as I will be there. And then we'll go to our final match of the weekend which will be valor against york united now this one i don't want to jinx anything and i obviously don't want to call anything negatively before it happens but this game might has the potential to be probably the least exciting game uh out of the lot just because you know it's valor at home very stubborn side very very uh you know a side that will try to concede as little as much as they can but obviously they have some real issues scoring goals as well and york united haven't been on the best form so is there going to be goals in this match or are we going to see another nil nil mike it's gonna be it's hard to imagine isn't it i'm looking at the looking at the goals for now and between the two of them they've only managed four more goals than pacific this season um, so it's not it's not been uh I mean, thrilling. I mean, we're starting off the weekend with big two clash on Friday night and sort of Sunday is uh, a bit of a, on paper, a nice sleepy way to get yourself <laughs> relaxed and ready for the for the week. Um, but it's going to, need to do something and they have to do it at home. They, that's where they're more, they're, they're going to be more dangerous. Um, this, this is going to be the area where I think Nyongabire is going to have um, a big effect on what's going to happen in this game. I think at times York can, York's fullbacks can get put under a lot of pressure um, with their wide forwards being very offensive. Um, 
Lapare and Sumaru, good defensive midfielders. Lapare's not the quickest. So Sumaru's going to be going side to side if he needs to help out a fullback or drop in when a centre back goes. Those are those are the areas which Valor can affect, and those are the areas which Valor most likes to go, like down those wings and get in past the fullback. So that's where York are going to have to prepare for. Um and that's where Valor are going to have to just add a little bit more sort of spice to their attack. Like they're going to have to do something. I think mean, surely these players are now thinking, right, it's not working. We could, our jobs could be on the line here. Like players could come in to replace us if we continually fail to make an effect in the final third. Um, and I think that's kind of the attitude they need to start going into games with. Yeah. I mean, especially when you look at their top goal score right now is tied on two goals. <laughs> which is Diego Gutierrez, which is a six yeah. and Keon Williams, which is a more attacking player, but still yeah. shouldn't be, you know, the top goal scorer for you. It's a, uh, it's a bit ridiculous really. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if, I think if they, if they don't do something now, then, then they're going to have to start looking over their shoulder because this is just, you know, not acceptable at this yeah. level to be struggling so much, especially at home. You want to give, your home fans something to cheer for, something to get excited for. And yeah, obviously not conceding goals is huge. Mm. And having a good defense is huge. And having a great midfield is what probably sets Valor out from a lot of other teams. But not being able to score goals is never, you know, is mm. not going to get you that far in, no. in, in, in football. And so um, they definitely need to improve in that one. And for... York United, they need a they need to kind of find form again. They need to, yeah. you know, get an, a surge again because there are teams around them like Ottawa and Halifax that are finding these surges, that are finding these these little rena- you know renaissances. And um, and if you don't do that, then you're going to be left behind. And I think it would be, you know, wild to think that York are on track to miss a playoff spot given how how well they were doing previously in that really good form where they were for a little while first or just under first and second. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a big match for them to try to get some form back and, and say, Hey, we're still here. Don't forget about us. You know, we're not, we're not going down without a fight. Um, and maybe, and obviously we're going to see some more under 21 minutes from them. So at least that'll be uh, an exciting mm. part, um, a little unpredictable part about how will York United play and how will, Valor respond to these uh, young players being put in the game. When you look at these as well, um, well, I'll put you on the spot maybe a little bit now. When you look at these, if Vancouver and Valor lose this weekend, uh, is that it? Do you think? they? Are, I mean, if if York get the win over Valor, that's a big uh, points difference. If Vancouver then to get back up to fourth, I mean, looking at it now, it's eight points. Like, could it be more by the end of the weekend? Like, is this game over if they lose this weekend? Yeah, you know, you are putting me in the spot there. <laughs> um, I think it is. I think it's it's tough because, you know, obviously, let's say if Vancouver can go on, or, or Valor, if Vancouver or Valor can go on a run, sort of like Ottawa are right now. And if they can go win four or five on the bounce, so that severely can change the outlook of the table because of, you know, they're they're directly 
beating teams that yeah. are above them. That's what happens with, you know, such a small league. You're not beating teams that have nothing to do with you or have no effect with you on the table. Exactly, yeah. Every result will have a direct mm-hmm. impact. So that's why it's hard for me to say that they're definitively out. Mm-hmm. But at that point, it, yeah, if York United win, if Halifax win, it, it, it'll be very tough because at that point, it'll be what? Both, it, let me look at... You know, let's say Halifax and York win. York will be on 24 points um, with an extra game, but still 24 points to Vancouver's 13. Yeah. Uh, and in that potential last position, um, Halifax might be able to pip them from that with the extra game in hand and go to uh, 25 points. So that's even greater mm. of gap. And at that point... It's so tough because it's not just the fact that they are that behind, but it's the mental toll that that might take on the players. Yeah. Like, I think, uh, you know, some of the responses that you might get, some players might check out. Some players might be like, well, that's over. Like, we're not making the playoffs, so I'm not going to worry about it. And how will that affect their, their, you know, their performances? Or some players might get angry, might get frustrated. They might get turned off. They might, you know, maybe it'll push them to try to be better, to be like, okay, this season's over but let me fight so I can be in a place for next season. It is a very unique mental, I don't want to say tax, but like effect or an impact that it can have on a team. So that I think is going to be a huge part for, for a team like Valor and for Vancouver. And I think if both of them miss the playoffs, it'll be a very different response for each team because Vancouver, it's an expansion side. It's sort of understandable. They're looking towards the future. They'll maybe want to try to right some wrongs, try to fix some mistakes that they might have made early on when they were building the squad and try to go next season to really push for the playoffs. For Valor, though, it has, I think, much bigger implications because, you know, this, you know, they're in Winnipeg and from what I've seen, it's a little hard to attract a lot of attention yeah, it's a big big old stadium trying to it's fill. a big stadium that you're trying to fill there and and if you're not performing well and and you're not attacking you're not exciting then it, i think it have you know, greater ramifications not just on the pitch but off the pitch so it'll be interesting to see how the owners and the board deal with this and if they decide you know to make some drastic changes if they miss the playoffs here so yeah i think yeah I- It'll be it'll be very tough for them to come back. I think if they lose this weekend, to be have such a gap between them and and the rest of the teams. Yeah, I mean, because mathematically, obviously, it could, it'll be dumb. But it's really hard to see either of those two teams getting a run. Like, it's I don't think they're done, and they won't win a game for the rest of the season. But they need to get on a three, four, five game run where they're not losing or only lose one, and that seems really hard to pick for these two. And agree what you say like Vancouver yeah they had that expansion year like we've brought in players and we're working out what we got right what we got wrong we're developing Valor seemed to get the they started with the squad that they wanted like they picked this this is what they thought would compete I think um which is why we haven't seen huge amount like any transfer activity so far um and that's 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 really tough for them because they are yeah dealing with something where they set themselves up in what they thought was the best way possible so um yeah it's tough on them it's gonna be uh really interesting i think the biggest thing i mean if atletico and york win that puts a big gap and it means halifax are also 
fighting to keep up uh add a third one in there as well and stuff so but yeah interesting times isn't it <laughs> yeah very interesting times um and we'll see how it it turns out now in the second half of seasons where things get really exciting when things get really sort of cutthroat and super intense and some tensions start to boil over so yeah i'm very excited to see how this second half of the season sort of uh, results mm-hmm. um but that is it for this week thank you so much for listening to the special transfer roundup episode make sure to follow us once again on all of our socials so you can give us your thoughts on each of the week's episodes whether it be the roundups or these special ones and give us your opinion and if you have any recommendations on players coaches analysts pundits that you would like to hear from on the show whether it be for a special episode or just to talk about this week's games please feel free to let us know we would love to hear from you But until next time, I'm Felipe Ojejo. And I'm Mike Rice. And this has been Coast to Coast FC, signing out.